Hello and welcome to Family Room Discussions, where you invite me, Dalton Anderson, to your Come Follow Me study, and we discuss ideas, questions, and insights to the week's lesson. Let me be clear, I am not a church historian or a scripture scholar. I am your average saint trying to build my faith in Christ and deepen my testimony of the gospel and the scriptures, and I have found that by discussing Come Follow Me with others, it helps me to do just that. My sincere hope is that for those struggling to study Come Follow Me for whatever reason, maybe because you're single and you don't have others to study with, or like me, your kids are still too young to understand English, or really for any other reason, that you will allow me to join your family for about 30 minutes to help with that gospel dialogue. With that, let's start this family room discussion. Brothers and sisters, family and friends, this is episode 46, following along with lesson 44, Ether chapters 1 through 5. I'm uh, deeply saddened by the passing of Alex Trebek, the host of Jeopardy. Growing up, my mom and I uh, would, and still to this day, play Jeopardy and compete against each other to see who can get the most right answers. And Alex is the heart and soul of that show. And so I'm I'm sad to hear about the, his, his passing. Um, I know that he was battling cancer for years and um, yeah, so it's, it's sad and I'm just grateful for my testimony of the plan of salvation, knowing that, that this life is not the end, that great things continue. And so knowing that he is in a better place, um, but, but more importantly, knowing that, you know, one day I'll be able to watch a, a Jeopardy episode with him as the host again is, uh, it's deeply meaningful to me. And so, Alex, I want to just thank you for being such a pivotal part of my family home evenings growing up. You didn't you didn't know it, obviously, but you were. And for more importantly, being a light in this in this mortality, this mortal experience and um, just being a good example. So my 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 thoughts and my prayers with his family, as well as all of those who are members of the Jeopardy Nation. <laughs> um. But yeah, so let's get into the lesson. Uh, while it is true that God's ways are higher than ours, and we should always submit to his will, he also encourages us to think and act for ourselves. That's one lesson Jared and his brother learned. For example, the idea of traveling to a new land that was choice above all the earth seemed to start in Jared's mind, and the Lord had compassion and promised to grant the request, saying, Thus I will do unto thee, because this long time ye have cried unto me. And when the brother of Jared realized how dark it was inside the barges that would carry them to their promised land, the Lord invited him to suggest a solution, asking a question that we usually ask him. What will ye, what will ye that I should do? The message seems to be that we shouldn't expect God to command us in all things. We can share with him our own thoughts and ideas, and he will listen and give confirmation or else counsel us otherwise. Sometimes the only thing separating us from the blessings we seek is our own veil of unbelief. And if we can rend that veil, we may be surprised by what the Lord is willing to do for us. I love that last line. We may be surprised by what the Lord is willing to do for us. I know that I've, that's been my experience as I act in faith. I truly have been like just amazed by what blessings the Lord gives me. And also earlier when it says he also encourages us to think and act for ourselves. I think that's a misconception that a lot of um, both people in our faith and without our faith, but also in general, any any critics of uh, religion, or specifically Christians or those that believe in God, there's a, a criticism that that uh, we we can't think and act for ourselves, or that we're just supposed to to listen and do exactly whatever it is God says. And while yes, we do absolutely believe in obedience, I think sometimes there's a misunderstanding of what that obedience looks like. I've found that I am more than willing 
to give up my will and just do exactly what the Lord wants me to do. And more often than not, the answer is no, you need to use your own agency and figure it out. And that is like deeply more <laughs> difficult than if he would just tell me exactly what to do and I could I could just listen and obey and act as a sheep. And so um, I think that's the misunderstanding is that God is not creating just obedient disciples, which is also true, but he is creating leaders and future gods, which means that we have to also be willing to act and use our agency. So that's just something I was thinking. And ideas for personal scripture study, the first section and the first chunk, as I cry unto the Lord, he will have compassion on me. I was, I was reading this and got um, some, some good things, some good thoughts. So first it says, uh, in Ether chapter 1, it tells of three prayers of the brother of Jared. What do you learn from the Lord's response to each of these prayers? Think about a time when you have experienced the Lord's compassion as you cried unto him in prayer. You may want to record this experience and share it with someone who may need to hear your testimony. So first there was a verse that stuck out with me. Um, and, as I, and I also have an experience that um, I, I'm still figuring out which parts to share and which parts not, but I think we'll just figure it out along the way. But in verse 42, it says, And when thou hast done this, thou shalt go at the head of the... Of, excuse me. And when thou hast done this, thou shalt go at the head of them down into the valley, which is northward. And there will I meet thee, and I will go before thee into a land which is choice above all the lands of the earth. That's a pretty significant promise. God says that, go and I'll meet you there. Like, I'd be sprinting. I'd be like, you're going to meet me there? I'm getting there as fast as possible. And, uh, <laughs> I mean, that would just be me. But I thought that was a significant promise. So the experience I want to share is about how I got my new job. Because I, I kind of mentioned this briefly last week. But, uh, yeah, I got a new job. And so through how many episodes now, I've been discussing that there's been something weighing on my heart, my soul, for a while now. Um it was my career. If I hadn't shared that part, then I think there, there it is. But yeah, I've been having some deep career questions. Um, and I still don't have all the answers because that's how it works, right? <laughs> it's a journey. But yeah, my big thing, this started back in February where I just started having questions of like, what am I supposed to be doing? Because I felt like, um, I, so I, I was working at, at Utah Valley University in the business school, and I loved it. I love my job, and I love my coworkers, and uh, I loved my whole experience. But I started having these feelings of like, is this where I'm supposed to be? Um, like, am I, am I happy doing what I'm doing every day? Could I do this the rest of my life? Those types of things. And um, so I started a soul-searching process, right? So I recorded this back in February. Uh, it was February 24th of this year that this happened. I, I got on my knees to pray and I asked God for some, for some answers to those questions in my soul. And I got an answer and I recorded it. So here's what it, I recorded down. It said regarding my career. So obviously this was how I interpreted everything, but regarding my career, the response was to wait. When I asked how long I needed to wait, it wasn't clear, most likely not shorter than a month but not longer than nine months. It felt like the Lord wanted to test how proactive I can be without direction. And that, that will play the biggest factor in my career path. 
So that was the answer I got. Um, so nothing, you know, crystal clear or anything. But I felt like I would receive career answers and career direction. And, uh, and be able to see kind of further down the road, either within a month at the soonest or nine months at the latest. So um, I got to work trying to figure it out, both with my own job as well as uh, taking a look at other career options and career paths and kind of making decisions and, and whatnot. And I, I started applying for other jobs, too, just to, to see what was out there, see what I'd be good at. But so I think that process is pretty common for everyone. What the hard part for me that I had through that time was believing that I'd even received <laughs> revelation from the Lord because it felt really specific. I remember being able to record it just immediately being like, this is definitely the answers I just received. And then the doubt kind of came in where, uh, I, th I mean, I think Satan knew exactly how to test me on this one, how to be an annoyance. Cause I, I felt just a lot of, a lot of doubt about, can I even receive revelation? Um, can I receive such clear revelation from the Lord? Things like that. I don't even know how to explain it. It was such an internal process that it's difficult to kind of put it into words. I think we've all been through something similar. So I hope drawing from your own experiences, you understand at least somewhat what I was going through. Uh, and either way, that's fine. If not, it, it wasn't about the answers I was looking for. I think it was more of like my relationship with God. I needed to know that it was there, that I could have faith and confidence in it. And knowing that I truly can turn to him for answers because I, I know he's there. I think it was more of like, but am I even capable? Like it was on me. I kept looking at it as maybe I'm not even capable of receiving answers. Other people are, but not me. And I wanted to be able to have faith in the full process. So that's what I was dealing with. And month after month would pass and I felt like I wasn't getting any further. And that was a huge struggle. And as the months would pass on, it would get worse and worse kind of thing. Um, until t about two months ago. Two months ago, I received a father's blessing. In the blessing, it told me things I didn't super want to hear. <laughs> As it goes. Um, but I acted in faith on on what I was I was given, what I received. A lot of it was changes I need to make, not changes I need to make with my situation, but changes that I had to make regarding my situation. And that was tough because I didn't want to hear that. And uh, But I... I did humble up. I took personal responsibility for my life and the direction I'm leaving, recognize that I cannot just keep continually saying, God, just give me what I want, that he wants me to be part of the process. He wants me to enact my faith and actually have faith, which is a personal process of action, not a personal process of I believe. And I've, I've really strengthened my testimony in that. And so I got to work changing me, changing even though I can't change my situation, I can change how I respond, how I react, the type of employee I am, things of that nature. So I did. I did that. About a month and a half ago, I think. I can't remember exactly how long on the timeline, but I had applied for this job, and I knew no one there, had no connections there or anything, and I got a call for an interview. And after... 
you know, multiple rounds of interview, I got a phone call um, about three weeks ago. And um, <laughs> I got a phone call for a job offer working at 1-800-CONTACTS. And it all made sense. And uh, the cool part, if I can say without you know, getting emotional over it, the cool part for me, uh, my manager who offered the job, she didn't know the significance. But uh, so this was like around October 15th, I think, that I got the phone call. She offered the job that I start on November 1st. The reason November was significant of a month for me was because November marked um, nine months. <clears throat> Excuse me. November marked nine months from when I had prayed back in February. So, brothers and sisters, I bear my witness to you that we can and we do receive revelation. We receive it in our own ways, and it's an interaction with God, so it's going to be very personal to you. It's not going to necessarily be how it was for me at all. Also, you and I have different life experiences or different needs, but uh, my, my answers did not come quick. Now, in the scheme of things, they did. Nine months is actually not that long at all. But it was every single day. It was every single day in those nine months that I could not stop thinking about what I was supposed to be doing with my life. That was probably on me more than anything. Like I said, those were things I had to work out because I think there is a lot of wisdom in learning how to deal with your trials in a positive way. It doesn't mean you have to be overly optimistic because I am not an overly optimistic person, but I am working on becoming a positive person. And through that process, I was able to really appreciate what God does for us. And so I know that was a long story. And I apologize for that, but I just hope you see that truly from this chunk, as I cry unto the Lord, he will have compassion on me. I, I have a, a real testimony of that. And I want everyone else to be able to have that same testimony if you don't have it already. Because just knowing, even though I had a lot of doubts in those nine months and stuff, but I kept having faith, um, trying to overcome my doubts, and and really just trying to exercise all, all the faith that I had within me, asking for help in my lack of faith. But being able to see just kind of the fruits come out of, of what it means to have faith, even though we can't see a way forward, even though it's not always going to make sense. That has been the greatest source of joy for me, truly. So, brothers and sisters, I, I bear testimony that God is aware of you. He truly is aware of you. And I know what it's like to not feel like he is. I know what it's like to feel like he's aware of everyone else, but he's not aware of you. And my life is significantly happier believing and having a testimony in the fact that, for me, he's aware of me. He knows where I'm at, and he knows my needs. And no, he won't just give me what I want when I want it. But I have deep faith that he will 
provide me the blessings that I need when I need them and that he doesn't want me having like a miserable life. Like he wants to provide me with experiences that help me grow closer to him. And so my faith has been strengthened tremendously to be able to the next time, because there's always a next time that I have to pass through trials. Um, I'm not going to, I hope, right? You can only learn from the past and then prepare for the future. I hope that I will have far greater faith to pass through my trials with positivity and with faith. And also to answer that, to answer something from that chunk about the three ways the Lord answers prayers. Uh, when I was studying about Jared's, the brother of Jared, excuse me, his his kind of three experiences, one was a, he, the Lord gives a positive, like, yes. So the brother of Jared brings a problem to him, gives him a solution. The Lord says, yes, try that. Um, on a different one, the Lord says no. And then on another one, he says, what do you think? So those are kind of the three ways I think the Lord can work with us. He can, he'll give us a yes, he'll give us a no, or he'll say, mm, try again. Or maybe, what do you think? Like, you bring me a solution and I'll, I'll work with you on it. So now the next chunk, I can receive revelation for my life. President Russell M. Nelson said, I plead with you to increase your spiritual capacity to receive revelation. Choose to do the spiritual work required to enjoy the gift of the Holy Ghost and hear the voice of the Spirit more frequently and more clearly. And then um, what truths what truth do you find that help you understand how to seek personal revelation? For me, I have been trying to increase my spiritual um, capacity by increasing my faith in prayer and my faith in scripture study and then applying that for, for church on Sunday. So going in, believing that as I listen to the speakers, as I listen to the spirit, that I will receive deeper spiritual light and knowledge. And as I really put forward, the difference is kind of like a switch. One is just I'm 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 a participant in my study. I'm a participant in my prayer and, and stuff. The other is I am guiding through the Spirit. Like I am working as a as a partner. It's kind of like in a group project, right? You don't want to be the person who's kind of there and they're like, hey, I'm willing to help out. Because no one super listens to those people in the group project. You want to be the person who's like, hey, let's do this. I care as much about the results as you do. And we're going to make something great. That person is, is not only like a wanted member of the group, but they're usually often a leader within that group. Or even a leader of the group kind of thing. Of course, in this example, God is the leader. And, but we want to be active participants want to be faithful participants not just i'm here what do you need um that's what i've been trying to do and i have seen the results of that in the next chunk the lord will prepare me to cross my great deep and this this in this chunk it talks about how Jer the jaredites had to cross a major major obstacle it was you know their great deep meaning the ocean for us <clears throat> A great deep can be a representation of our trials. And so something that I always think about is that rarely do we solve our trials and challenges in one bound. Um, like sometimes it takes multiple different bounds, so to speak. Like it's not just, okay, now cross the ocean. Sometimes for me, as far as how I overcome things, 
Sometimes it takes multiple steps, as was the case in the story I shared earlier. Also, another example is when we were working on our house, I uh, was trying to change out one of the cords for our thermostat. I wanted to put in a five wire instead of a four wire. And the thermostat is up in our main floor, but the furnace is in our basement. So I had to drop, drop the line through and I was trying to figure out what's the best way to get pass from one to the other. So I did what I think makes sense and I tied the old cord to the new cord and started pulling the old cord through the wall. The problem was I used electrical tape and that was dumb because, <laughs> because while electrical tape is great for electrical needs, it is not great for making sure that wires of one to the other stick together. And so I lost the wire in the wall and it created quite a conundrum because I could not figure out how to get out and I did not want to destroy my house in the process. And so I set to work getting on my knees, praying for guidance. And I kid you not, it took nine deep prayers of faith in a 24 hour period to get that wire out of the wall. Um, <laughs> we Let me think. First, just some of the answers to those prayers. First, I prayed for or what could I do to get it out? And an idea came to my head that I could, uh, kind of like the Sandlot, I could make a giant contraption, like a giant arm that could, because I could see the wire in the wall. I just couldn't, it was like 10 feet away through this very small two inch by two inch kind of wall slot. So first I had an idea to try the Sandlot idea and I tried that, that didn't work. Prayed again. Then the idea came to my head to go to Home Depot and buy one of those, um, like, claws. It's a snake for a, a toilet. Yeah, that was that was not going to work. But I tried it anyway. Then I prayed again. And anyway, it was like, I kid you not, just multiple prayers. Finally, the answer was drill a hole through your wall in a specific place and then use that to get it. And yeah, and then use a cover plate to just pretend like there was an outlet behind it. That's what I ended up doing. And so to this day in my house, you can actually see <laughs> where the cover plate is, where I drilled a hole through the wall. It actually looks great, though, because uh, all of the guests that we've had stayed at our house, not a single person has ever mentioned noticing the cover plate. So it really was a fantastic idea. In the end, I ended up asking God why it took him so long to tell me just the, the thing that I was ultimately going to do. And... I was immediately hit with, that's not how revelation works. And so sometimes, right, it's a, well, not sometimes, always, I think. It's always a process. And I think we need to expect that that is how revelation works, that it's a process. But two verses that stick out to me here also. One is verse 16. Um, it says, And the Lord said, Go to work and build after the manner of barges, which ye have hitherto built. And it came to pass that the brother of Jared did go to work and also his brethren and build barges after the manner which they had built, according to the instructions of the Lord. And they were small and they were light upon the water, even like unto the lightness of a fowl upon the water. All I wanted to point out here was that if it floats like a duck, it's a witch. And in verse 19, it says, And behold, O Lord, in them there is no light. Whither shall we steer? And also we shall perish, for in them we cannot breathe, save it is the air which is in them. Therefore we shall perish. And from this verse that stuck out to me, notice how he 
how he first tackles the tasks that have been provided. Like, he builds the barges first. He knows that that's something. He doesn't, like, pray in that moment before when he gets the commandment to build the barges. And he's like, well, what else are we going to have to do, right? It's, and so he gets those tasks provided, gets to work on them, and then his problems arise. Then he makes notes of those and brings it up to be able to tackle. So I kind of like that process of like, and that's how I think it is for us, is that we we get to work on the revelation we receive, and then as problems arise, then we go back to the Lord and have him help us through those. In the next chunk, I am created in God's image. Um, I'm, I'm out, and I don't know how to pronounce this right, but I think it's Shelem or Shelem, one or the other. The brother of Jared learned a lot about God and about himself. What do you learn? from Ether 3, about the spiritual and physical nature of God. How do these truths help you understand your divine identity and potential? And so, um, of course, some two verses stick out to me. One was in 13 where it says, and when, <clears throat> and when he had said these words, behold, the Lord showed himself unto him and said, Because thou knowest these things, you are redeemed from the fall. Therefore, you are brought back into my presence. Therefore, I show myself unto you. And that right there is the goal for all of us. That is what we are trying to do, is that we are trying to be, re we are trying to exercise our faith to be able to enter back into the Lord's presence, being redeemed from the fall. So this is a good pattern. The brother of Jared, the story of the brother of Jared and all this is a pattern for us of how we can exercise our faith to be able to receive the same blessings he received. And in verse 19, and because of the knowledge of this man, he could not be kept from beholding within the veil. And he saw the finger of Jesus, which when he saw, he fell with fear, for he knew that it was the finger of the Lord. And he had faith no longer, for he knew nothing doubting. Uh, faith, the process of faith, will ultimately lead us to perfect knowledge. We'll no longer need faith. So um, that's kind of the journey we're on with our faith. It is to take us from not knowing and taking step by step into the dark to not lead us further. Well, I mean, sometimes it will lead us further into the dark, but that's not the end point. The end point will be perfect light, perfect knowledge. And, um, and so I like that. And the next verse, was the brother of Jared the first person to see the Lord? If, if you were looking for answers to that, there they are. But I, I, I think that's actually a very helpful thing but I have nothing to add. For the next section, Ideas for Family Scripture Study and Family Home Evening. Um, there were three chunks in particular that I want to talk about. One was the second chunk, Ether chapter 2, 16 to chapter 3, verse 6. What does the brother of Jared's example teach us about how to find answers to our problems and questions? Maybe family members could share their experiences when they saw and received answers from the Lord. So I've kind of done that, but in verse 2 of chapter 3, excuse me, it says, O Lord, thou hast said that we must be encompassed about by the floods. Now behold, O Lord, and do not be angry with thy servant because of his weakness before thee. For we know that thou art holy and dwellest in the heavens, and that we are unworthy before thee because of the fall of our natures. Have become, because, because of the fall of our natures have become evil continually. Nevertheless, O Lord, thou hast given us a commandment that we must call upon thee, that from thee we may receive according to our desires. So even what was interesting to me is that um, I constantly feel unworthy before the Lord. And it's like, I, I just, how am I supposed to pray to a perfect being when I am so unper like imperfect, not unperfect, imperfect. 
well, the brother of Jared felt like this too. And so that gives me great peace knowing that like a great prophet also felt completely unworthy. And the, the lesson that I learned from this though is even when we feel unworthy to receive answers from God, we have to pray with diligence and faith. He wants us to pray to him. And he's obviously well aware of our imperfections but he wants us to pray anyway. So that gives me great confidence also in his love. And in verse five, behold, O Lord, thou canst do this. <clears throat> we know that thou art able to show forth great power, which looks small unto the understanding of man. For me, receiving my job, like I could not think of a way myself of how I was going to receive the answers about my career path. Like I couldn't, I could not figure out what it meant, what it would look like or anything like that. I did not know what, the path forward would be and whether it was to continue in the job I had or a new job. Like I didn't know I was fine with either answer or either destination kind of thing. I just didn't know what it was going to look like. And then when I did receive the job offer, it wasn't the job offer itself. It was in that moment, the spirit hit me hard and I knew like, it was almost like I'd had 90% tinted windows and I was trying to see outside my window to see the, like, the picture of where I was going to go. And then all of a sudden, in that moment, 90% became 10%. And I could see pretty clear on the other side of what, what I, I needed to do, like what the next step was for sure. And so just because we logically can't think of like what the answer to our questions is supposed to look like, just trust trust that the Lord... 100% knows what that looks like for us and have faith in him to move forward. In uh, the next chunk, Ether chapter 4, 11 and 12, I'm going to read these first. Um, it says, <clears throat> But he that believeth these things which I have spoken, him will I visit with the manifestations of my spirit, and he shall know and bear record. For be because of my spirit, he shall know that these things are true. For it persuadeth men to do good. And whatsoever thing persuadeth men to do good is of me. For good cometh of none, save it be of me. I am the same that leadeth men to do all good. He that will not believe my words will not believe me, that I am. And he that will not believe me will not believe the Father who sent me. For behold, I am the Father, I am the light, and the life, and the truth of the world. This is key to understanding the Spirit. If you do not believe the Spirit, if you do not believe the Holy Ghost and the witnesses you receive, you're not going to believe Christ if he was standing right in front of you. Um. The Heavenly Father, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Ghost testify of one another. And if you don't believe one, you wouldn't be able, you would not believe another. I don't necessarily understand how that works, right? But I think it's we we've seen the truth of that when Christ was here on the earth. I mean, I haven't personally seen that. At least I don't remember. The veil kind of separates me from that. However, the example from the scriptures hold true that those who didn't believe the Holy Ghost. Those that didn't believe Jesus Christ, like they didn't believe Heavenly Father kind of thing. And so to not believe one is to not believe another. So exercise faith and listen to the Holy Ghost. If you've received the Holy Ghost and you've heard those answers, then listen to them and do them. But don't reject them because if, to reject those would be to, to reject Christ. Um, yeah, that's all I want to say about that. <laughs> Finally, in Ether 5. <clears throat> Ether chapter five. The only thought I had from this this uh, 
this chapter, and it was like the whole chapter in general, not a specific verse. But if you read chapter five, it's like a letter to Joseph Smith. And I just wonder how would how must Joseph have felt as he's reading this, knowing, you know, a piece of his work, obviously, his small, well, not small part, but like to him, his perspective, his small understanding at the time of, of what the work of the Lord was going to be and how he was going to fit into that. And then to receive through the Book of Mormon a personal letter from Moroni being like, and he's obviously already met Moroni. And so then to be reading this, and it's like a personal letter, like, I wonder what that would have felt like. I feel like that would have been just incredible. It, to me, it would have felt amazing. Um, and the this final part, improving our teaching, be ready always. Informal teaching moments pass quickly, so it is important to take advantage of them when they arise. For example, a teenager with a difficult decision to make may be ready to learn about how to receive personal revelation. So for me, one, I love that. But two, the best way to be able to help your kids, to be able to help your family and your friends, is to just be ready always. And you never know when those moments are going to come up. I know that I know a lot of people that pray for moments like that with their children. And uh, you just never know. So be ready when they do come up to have the Spirit with you. That's the number one thing. If you have the Holy Ghost as your companion, then you can have full confidence that you'll be able to help them through that. There's some scriptures that stand out, and then I will wrap this up. First was in chapter 2, verse 2. I always get I always get a dry throat at the end, so I apologize for the... The, <clears throat> those, you know. And they did also lay snares and catch fowls of the air. And they did also prepare a vessel in which they did carry with them the fish of the waters. I am a huge aquarium fan. And this to me sounds like an ancient aquarium. That's what they built. And I'm a huge fan. I am super curious about how that would have worked though. Because if they had to fill it with fishes and they filled it with water and then that had to travel. I'm like, what did that look like? <laughs> how was that able to work? in uh, verse 8 of chapter 2, and he said, no, excuse me, and he had sworn in his wrath unto the brother of Jared that whoso should possess this land of promise from that time henceforth and forever should serve him, the true and only God, or they should be swept off when the fullness of his wrath should come unto them. That promise still rests on this land to this day. So remember that promise. In, in verse 10, for behold, this is a land which is choice above all other lands. Wherefore, he that doth possess it shall serve God or shall be swept off for it is ever the, the everlasting decree of God. And it is not until the fullness of iniquity among the children of the land that they are swept off. He repeats himself three times on that promise. Three times. So it's very important. And especially us as inheritors of the land. Well, for those listening that live in, um, in the United States. It's a very important promise. In uh, chapter 2, verse 13. And now I proceed with my record. For behold, it came to pass that the Lord did bring Jared and his brethren forth, even to, the, to that great sea which divideth the lands. And as they came to the sea, they pitched their tents, and they called the name of the place Moriancomer. And they dwelt in the tents, and dwelt in tents upon the seashore for the space of four years. It's interesting because we've learned this through, through modern revelation, through Joseph Smith, but Moriancomer is actually... Um, the name of the brother of Jared. Well, it's Mahanrai Moriankamer, but interesting that we actually had his name in the scriptures and just wouldn't have known it without revelation. 
and verse 14, And it came to pass at the end of the four years that the Lord came again unto the brother of Jared and stood in a cloud and talked with him. And for the space of three hours did the Lord talk with the brother of Jared and chastened him because he remembered not to call upon the name of the Lord. First of all, I want you to imagine that conversation. Being chastened for three hours? Holy cow. I think I would have died. I would have shriveled up and died. But the Lord chasteneth those who he loves. Um, it did give me heart. It made me take heart in knowing that we've all struggled with complacency, including prophets of God. And so that helps me have more faith and hope as I continue to overcome complacency. In chapter 3, verse 24, For behold, the language which ye shall write, I have confounded. Um, the language that that would have been, if you think about it, was the language of Adam. That was the first language <clears throat> on the land because their language wasn't confounded. So from the beginning, the, the language was the, the language of Adam. Otherwise, I think, I think it's referred to as Adamic. And that would have been their language. So that's kind of interesting to think about. And then finally, chapter 4, verse 4. Behold, I have written upon these plates the very things which the brother of Jared saw, and there never were greater things made manifest than those which were made manifest unto the brother of Jared. So there is a use of hyperbole. It's not just in the scriptures, but it's also, um, like I know that Elder Holland is a, is a big fan of hyperbole. And I don't know if anyone else has ever had this question, but like, how do we measure when it's like, this was the greatest. So right here it says, there were never greater things made manifest than those manifest unto the brother of Jared. Like, is that an opinion or is that fact? <laughs> because I'm like, I feel like Adam and Eve had some pretty incredible things made manifest unto them. Um, this is Moroni writing this. So unless he was taking directly from the words of Jared, the brother of Jared, um, he had some pretty amazing things manifest to him as he was able to see the entire history of everyone, including into the future. Uh, you know, like, it's just tough. It's tough. But I think the point is, like, the emphasis should be on faith. Uh, I remember President Holland once, or Elder Holland said, uh, oh, what was the thing that he said? He was like, oh, that his mission was what was it? Barring his marriage was the single greatest thing for his entire life or something like that. And I was like, that, right? I was like, you're an apostle. You were called to be an apostle. Now, because I don't have the exact words, please don't quote me because I have the talk that it came from. It was a, it was a address made in the MTC, but uh, I can't remember verbatim. I just know that if you listen to a lot of other Holland's talks and other apostles and prophets, and including Moroni's, clearly, that there is a use of that type of language that is funny to me. I don't know if it's a unique culture thing or or what it is, but I just, I've noticed it, so I was going to point it out. And I don't know, what do you think about that? Tell me, because I have no idea. I don't know what to think about it. I know I just have faith in, I just have faith and uh, try to do the best I can. That's where I'm at. But other than that, that's what I noticed. So thank you for joining me in this family room discussion. And please share your ideas, questions, and insights that you gained from Ether chapters 1 through 5 with me. Until we meet again.
have a blessed week.